On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk. With everything that's been going on, um, you might have heard, or you might have heard a little bit uh, of coverage around the 60th anniversary of the visit of President John F. Kennedy to Ireland. Indeed, there was one event which was originally supposed to be moderated by a certain Mr. Tuberty, who indeed wrote a book about that whole visit, uh, who ended up not being able to emcee all of that. Uh, but amid all of the talk of New Ross and JFK's famed speech, what you might not have heard very men- much mention of was a reference to a gift that Kennedy left behind. Because within the walls of my usual stomping ground, Leinster House, is the flag of the 69th Infantry Regiment of New York, recalled to history as the Fighting 69th. It was gifted to the Irish people by JFK in Leinster House in 63. Some people have suggested that it be moved elsewhere, but it does remain among the most significant gifts ever given to the Irish nation. And Donald Fallon, who is here opposite with me, is one of the men who would like to have it uh, made more public prominent. And and we will get to that in a few minutes, Donald. Um, The regiment is pretty much the most famous of its day, and and it has been romanticised. Absolutely. And a very famed radio play about this regiment when it aired in America in 1942. It opened with the words, the battle flags of many regiments are celebrated in American history but none is more famous than the 69th New York, the fighting 69th of glorious memory. And it's really difficult to imagine a more significant flag than this one as we'll hear today uh, from the battles of the American Civil War. But look I mean they're a really romanticised celebrated regiment. If anyone that's been there in the hustle and bustle of New York City in Times Square uh, every New Yorker's least favourite part of New York mm-hmm. they might have encountered the statue in the Northern Triangle of a priest and I remember as a kid walking by the statue and going, you know, who's that uh, Duffy Square Father Francis P. Duffy chaplain to this regiment on the Western Front later on during the First World War so I mean the Fighting 69th are remembered right there in the middle of Times Square and he was a really extraordinary guy Duffy you know, got a bit of a tangent he was actually a soldier as well as a chaplain wow. it's just amazing that says everything about this regiment doesn't <laughs> it you know even, even the chaplain was fighting in the trenches the Fighting 69th the joke went would fight amongst themselves if there was no one else to fight <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tickled by that um, in its own way though and I suppose the very fact that it's got an, uh, a, a priest with an Irish name like that Francis Duffy uh, on a plinth in there Times Square might actually be the most Irish part of the city it's amazing George uh, M. Cohen has a statue there very famous Broadway performer he was known as the man who owned Broadway he was the child of Irish migrants so when you're standing there amidst the, the madness the hustle and bustle you know the lights of Times Square mm. all the, the the fellas dressed up like Disney characters trying to shake you down and everything else that happens <laughs> in Times Square the two monuments that dominate Times Square are, are Irishmen and that's all captured in, in Thousands Are Sailing you know that great Pogue song by, by yeah. Phil Chevron we said goodnight to Broadway giving it our best regards tipped our hats to Mr Cohen old Times Square's favourite bard and then we raised the glass to JFK and a dozen more besides so I mean JFK the fighting 69th all of this is in the same part, if you will, of Irish-American memory. Which actually then, when you know about the, the gesture of JFK presenting what he did, it just kind of really goes to highlight just how significant that was. Um, often overlooked about the trip to Ireland in 1963 is that Kennedy didn't come here directly from the US. He had been somewhere else and, and he might have given some more important remarks where yeah. else he was. There were a couple of bits written this week in the papers about Kennedy in 1963 here and it was interesting because they mentioned everyone he shook hands with in New Ross and everyone he met in Limerick and everything else but none of the pieces that I read touched on the fact that he'd come here from Berlin. 
and that's really important. You know, Kennedy was on this very, very important European tour, we might say. Mm. Uh, and in Berlin, he gives that famous speech. Now, pop culture remembers it for Ich bin ein Berliner. But everyone who was there remembers what he described the Berlin Wall as. He said mm. it was an offence not only against history, but an offence against humanity, separating families, dividing husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, and dividing a people who wish to be joined together. So Kennedy is coming here from what many people consider to be you know, the highlight of his presidential career when it came to mm. grand politics. Uh, and there wasn't yet the debate around whether Ich bin ein Berliner meant he was a donut or, or everything. I'll get into the whole thing about a nominative case another time. Um, but what's fascinating at this remove is that actually a lot of people weren't really sure what he was doing coming to Ireland, that we, we weren't yeah. schooled in the idea of presidents making personal pilgrimages. So everyone was like, what's he doing in Wexford? You'd be a very daft American president now not to do it because yeah. it is such easy you know, uh, representation for you and, and, and for you know for the tourist board here and everything else and the Irish American vote lobby, which is still there. You know, it still exists, and we see that. You know, with senators and congressmen, people like the Boyles, Irish America is still a living political machine. So Biden, Obama, Reagan, Nixon, they all learned that. But this hadn't happened before, and, and we have to remember JFK. Bizarrely, he's the first American president on Irish soil. And one newspaper in Washington actually got, most of them didn't, most of the American papers were asking, what is the president doing swanning around Ireland? Actually, criticism, not unlike what Biden got in recent times. Mm. Uh, But one paper in Washington, they really nailed it. They said there are two sorts of rare days in the lives of American presidents. There is the big and earth-shaking sort that occurred in Berlin, when at least a million people staged a performance of joyful mass hysteria that can move the most hardened politician. This kind of day is rare in terms of degree. Berlin is rated as the biggest and noisiest, and at least by implication, the most successful appearance the president has ever made. But the other kind of rare visit occurred yesterday at New Ross. It could hardly have been more different from Berlin if it had been on another planet, Hmm. but it was no less moving and no less successful for that. So for the American press, some of them thought this was just a a glorified holiday, but others understood, I suppose, the importance of what was going on. So they were just so unschooled in what generally tends to be involved. Um, What's worth remembering, and actually sometimes I reflect on this myself, because there's still a picture of this at the bottom of the main staircase in Ensdra House of John F. Kennedy addressing joint sitting of the Dáil and Shannon in 1963. And what's striking is that everyone in the room with the exception of maybe Kennedy himself, who's only yeah. thinking in his late 40s, early 50s. Everyone's very old. This is literally a chamber of veterans. Yeah, Easter week men. You know, Sean Lamass is there. Sean Lamass was on the cover of Time magazine a month later. So he was really something that the world was starting to notice. Uh, but he was a 1916 man. You know, he had a long career behind him. Uh, Dev, of course, is Dev. And I always think it's amazing when you see Dev and, and JFK in the car together, mm. driving through town in the, in the motorcade. Actually, one journalist said, uh, the word motorcade was a real, you know, novelty to the Irish. They never, <laughs> never heard it before, <laughs> and how great it sounded in the in the Dublin accent. But yeah, sometimes when JFK was here, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about the accent. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when JFK was here, he didn't have to say anything. Mm. You know, he just went to Arbor Hill, laser wreath uh, for the nineteen sixteen leaders. No one had ever done that before. No world leader had ever done that before. That's an amazing gesture without a word being said. But in the doll alongside him is this extraordinary banner and he explains it uh, before he unveils it. Let's have a listen. They're old ones having been torn to shreds by bullets in previous battles. Captain Richard McGee took possession of these flags on December 2nd in New York City and arrived with them on the Battle of Fredericksburg and carried them in the battle. Today in recognition of what these gallant Irishmen and what millions of other Irish have done for my country and through the generosity of the fighting 69th, I would like to present one of these flags to the people of Ireland. 
John F. Kennedy uh, unveiling the banner of the Fighting 69th uh, in the Dáil Chamber in Leinster House in 1963. Um, unusually about the speech, because this this maybe wouldn't be the done thing now, he quotes one of the Confederate leaders in his yeah, remarks. He quotes Robert E. Lee of all the Confederates, but he gives a good kind of overview of what the Fighting 69th are all about. So they're linked to Thomas Francis Marr, you know, the man who brought the tricolour to Ireland from France, mm-hmm. unveiled it famously in Waterford. Uh, and then he quotes Confederate leader Robert E. Lee describing watching the Fighting 69th at Fredericksburg. Never were men so brave. They ennobled their race by their gallantry on that desperate occasion. Though totally routed, they reaped harvests of glory. Their brilliant, though hopeless assaults on our lines excited the hearty applause of our officers and men. It's amazing to imagine one group of soldiers yeah. in the trenches, you know, applauding, applauding another. Absolutely yeah, extraordinary. Th- th- God, our enemies are very good, a, aren't they? God, that's a good charge. Good. We've, we've, we've been well overcome there now. Fair play to them. Um, so people may be wondering then, and, and this this maybe goes back to what I said in the introduction, people may be wondering, uh, where can I see this flag? Where can I go if I wanted to go and have a look at it now? So it's remained within Leinster House and, you know, it's apparently, currently it's been moved for reasons of, uh, there's all kinds of theories on, on Twitter during the week about why it's been moved. Mm. People are talking about sun damage, all kinds of things where it was. It was, it was certainly taken down first due to sun damage, but yeah. then one might have thought that it could just go back up where it previously was when it had been repaired and, and it hasn't been. And I think that it's, I think... It's in one of the ceremonial rooms where big dignitaries go just off the main ceremonial lobby of Leinster House but that's not somewhere that a punter can go and see unfortunately. But people have been breaking into the doll in recent times so don't give too good directions <laughs> you know, where it is. But look, the doll symbolically... That's not encouragement. That's not encouragement. The doll is a representation of the Irish people. You know, if we don't go to the ballot box it's an empty building. So on one level if it was gifted to the people of Ireland the doll might be a good place to have it. But... You know, it's a great piece of military history, the Aspera history. Uh, what about Soldiers and Chiefs in Collins Barracks? That's an amazing exhibition. It's free to visit. It tells the story of the Irish at war. And we touched on this before we came on, the GPO. Like, what's yeah. going to happen to the GPO? They've got a Thomas Francis Marr exhibition mm. uh, up there. Could it, be, could it be a home in that space? So who knows? But I mean, to, to see it, you really have to go on that tour of, of, of Leinster House and, and hope it's on display at the time. Yeah, we'll, we'll copy in the OPW in the podcast link and we're sending it on <laughs> later and we'll see if we can get the ball rolling. Um, so it was a big anniversary here this week and it was remarked on even despite the other story that was stifling everything. Uh, was it much remarked upon over in Berlin? Isn't, isn't that mad that, you know, six years ago everyone focused on that and, and kind of ignored in the, in the international press what happened here? But actually on the anniversary week, there was very little in Berlin. And I suppose, look, really? Ber- Berlin has been the centre or was the centre of a tug of war that began some two decades earlier and was nowhere near over, you know. And, mm. you know, a later president would famously say, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. So, mm. you know, the Berlin Cold War, war had a long time left to run. But I think that Irish visit, it just lingers on, doesn't it? And if you go to Limerick, if you go to New Ross or if you go to Arbor Hill, you know, anywhere that Kennedy went, uh, it's still remembered and still spoken of with, with, with such fondness and warmth. And you wanted to mark the anniversary of the trip to Berlin by going to see Kraftwerk. Yes. <laughs> I honour yes. German culture this week. It was de- definitely the intention was an homage to German culture. Uh, Donald Fallon is the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast about the history of Dublin and the author of Three Castles Burning, a history of Dublin in 12 streets. Uh, the Easton's Book of the Year 2022 available in all good bookshops. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.